Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. Hey everybody, I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, everybody. Welcome to the PBSC podcast, episode 200, which is just absolutely wild. Uh, Steve Moore here with Mark Castleman uh, coming at you today with episode 200, really just in the spirit of gratitude. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we were talking about it before we before we were as we were doing production today i uh, we, we can't believe that's almost four years one episode a week i yeah what i mean it's just wild i cannot believe we've been doing this for four years it's just amazing yeah um, and i was i mean i as we were preparing today <laughs> if you, if all of you could see our our little notes here that we do to prepare to podcast all of you we're i mean it blows our minds because here we are two addicts in recovery and if you knew us during our dark addiction days, nobody would listen to us. I would. Our, our wives wouldn't listen to our us. Wives much less wouldn't, yeah, else. I mean, two 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 severe addicts and successful long term recovery uh, guys healing from uh, quite a few mental illness issues that we accumulated over our lives, and to think that that all of you in in 186 countries to date would actually listen to us every week is quite frankly, uh, staggeringly, incredibly amazing to us. Very humbling. I mean, wow. Uh, we just really appreciate all of you. And uh, whenever we hear from you, whether it's a question that you have for the podcast or feedback about what, what happens on here, uh, we just, we just want to tell you how grateful we are uh, that you are, we are, it's a mix. We're grateful that you're here, that you're here. But we are sad that you're here too. Absolutely. Um, and we really do connect with where you're at. Um, I just hit nine years of sobriety a few weeks ago, but you know, nine years, one year, 90 years, I don't think we'll ever be long enough to not vividly recall 
being in the depths of this whole mess and what uh, that looked like, what that felt like. And we just really connect with all of you and, and honor the fact that you are here and that you're choosing to make us a part of your recovery program. It's, it's, it's really humbling. So. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to every one of you across the globe. Just Absolutely. All of you so much. And we were, you know, we were talking, Steve and I were talking, we thought we, we were asking ourselves, what was it? What was it way back then that caused us to do our first, our first episode way back? And both of us had a unanimous response to that. And it was this huge, huge passion and focus to help couples, to help couples and relationships, you know, uh, across the world to heal. Because we know, we know that, uh, you know, all of us that struggle with addiction, we know down in the deep core levels, as you peel back all the layers to get to the, to the, to the real center place of addiction, it's this yearning to connect. It's this yearning to be loved and to be valued, right. To be part of someone and to be part of something, you know, bigger than myself and all of you partners, you know, struggling with this crazy heavy burden of betrayal trauma, right. The same, the same desires and yearnings for each of you. And so when we started this, we're like, we, man, we, there's so many people in trouble, so many people disconnected and going through so much turmoil. We want to help these people heal. We want them to be able to enjoy true, you know, full, you know, intimacy and happiness and connection and all the things that these coupleships have to bring to us that we just yearn for as human beings. And we want it to be a part of that, part of that healing and that coming together. Well, and and also to do it in a way that helped you to have to reinvent the wheel a little bit less than we did. Oh my gosh. Right. So true. Uh, I mean, Mark and I, we talk about this all the time on our Dare to Connect program, but I mean, we, we, we definitely have a lot of expertise clinically in this and, you know, certifications and all sorts of stuff. But as far as the experiential side of this goes, I mean, y'all, I was speaking for myself. I mean. How long did it take Steve to figure out that even though the Steve program may work for other people, Steve needs help from other people to do this in his own recovery work? You know, how long did each of us take, how long did it take for each of us to be able to grapple with concepts? Like we were talking about on D to C today, like what it means to really love and to be loved. I thought I knew the answers to those questions. (laughs) You know, when I started this journey, I was like, I remember I would hear podcasts like this or or even the first few therapists we saw. And I just say to myself, like, why? What is the, I, of course, I know what it's like to be loved. Of course, I know what it's like to be wanted. I don't need to be taught that. That's, this is elementary stuff. I had no clue. I had no clue. And there was so much of a school of hard knocks that both of us have have gone through and went through. And we hope that that's more than anything, maybe the thing that, that all of you take is that you can learn from us bumbling our way through this process on a personal level. And be able to take that with the clinical stuff that we also bring to bear and be able to have a smoother journey for you and your partner than we did. Yeah. And we, and we talked about the, you know, the natural outflow of where the PBSC podcast went to, and that was us having a desire. I mean, we love the podcast. We love that uh, so many of you write back to us about how helpful it has been. And we just thought we got to do more. There's got to be, got to be a way to get in the trenches with these people all over the, all over the planet. And that's how dare to connect was born. That yeah. I mean, it was, a, it was, it was crazy bold. We looked at each other and said, this has never been done. Are you, sh- are we sure we, 
I mean, are we being arrogant to think that we could actually produce something to reach people all over the globe like this to to actually get in the trenches with them and try yeah, to there have been them? there have been programs before, right? And there are lots of programs out there now, but nothing that will operate on quite the interactive level with this with the same blend and mix of two therapists, but also addicts in long-term recovery, right? I mean, there just wasn't anything out there and still isn't like that. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it was intimidating. I remember, I, I remember full disclosure, Mark didn't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Mark has a long, extensive background. Many of you already know this, but he has written how many books now, Mark? We co-authored uh, one together, but you've written five or so, something like that. Five, yeah. Mark has written written a bunch of books. He's he's done a lot of courses in the past and a lot of been a part of a lot of other programs as of I. And he really wanted to put together just a series of courses. That's mm -hmm. what he was really pushing for. Was a series of courses. And who knows, maybe one day we'll do something like that. In fact, we're well, I guess we we have plans for some of that to come into into D2C one day. But but uh we we there was nothing out there that was kind of a in the trenches. With two guys who've been there with a clinical background who 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 were, were doing that. And so yeah, we've we just uh we're grateful to be doing all the stuff that we're doing right now and and just uh again once again appreciate all of you. But as we as we jump into this idea, like Mark was saying, this dare this daring concept, right? We obviously named our 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 program for addicts, spouses, and couples dare to connect. But there's a reason for that, right? Why? Because D2C does look like a pretty badass logo, if we're being honest. Um, and that is our little logo emblem. And it kind of rolls off the tongue, which is also fun. But outside of the marketing piece, there was a lot. I mean, we batted around what to name that thing for forever. And the and the daring piece really resonated with both of us. Yes. Right. Um, because that is such a critical part to this process. I mean, everybody, like Mark, Mark just said, he said it so well. Everybody here wants to connect. Right. You are listening to this podcast because you want connection. And not only that, research has borne out time and again that people on a fundamental baseline building blocks of life, biological, genetic level are wired for connection. But at the same time, we also live in a world, in a society because of technology, because of culture, because of world events, because of a whole series of things that is constantly in opposition to the very thing that we're all wired to achieve. No question. Right? Yep. There's disconnection all around. We live that. in this perpetual dichotomy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of desperately needing connection, but horribly handicapped when it comes to how to do it. Exactly. Yep. So we thought today for our 200th episode, we were going to do a, a podcast for all of you about what it means to dare in your relationship. Yeah. To dare to do what? And so we wanted to we wanted to wanted to cover some some of the our more passionate ways of daring in a relationship, yeah. and uh, so the first the first one we had here was uh, and this one scared the living daylights out of me for the first ninety percent of my life. Mm -hmm. Dare to be transparent, and I lived just the opposite for decades and decades. I learned that it wasn't safe to be transparent. I learned that if you truly showed your authentic self and you were basically just a, you know, a glass see-through house, that things did not go well. If you wanted to be, if you wanted to please others, if you wanted to be well thought of, if you wanted to be liked, if you wanted to get along, if you wanted to do all these things that are so essential to your self-esteem and to making your way in the world, you are, you do not be transparent. 
And so when when we're trying to heal a relationship and come together as a couple, we have to learn to dare to be transparent. And we know that it is scary as scary as heck. Yes. And even knowing how to do it is so is difficult, right? Because it wasn't taught to us. We learned to put on masks and pretenses and to put on an act and, you know, be, be something that we weren't all yeah. of those. Things. Now we're saying dare to be transparent in your coupleship. Yeah. Well, and you know, as as all of you know, from listening to the podcast, you know, connection happens from the top down and this transparency and, and then expanding on that, the next bullet point, the vulnerability piece, being vulnerable, daring to be vulnerable. I mean, what hard concepts, because, you know, for the addicts that we work with, for the partners that we work with, for those of you who listen to our podcast, we know that these two concepts are hard on multiple levels. Both addicts and partners have multiple barriers to being able to do this. And one of the biggest ones is because for different reasons, we're living so much in a survival state rather than a thriving state. Mm -hmm. We don't really even know what those look like. We're trying to get along day to day. We're lacking the capacity for the insight, the mindfulness required to even do that with ourselves in some cases, because we are so in the trenches of just like, how do I keep my marriage together this week? Right. How do I, if you're an addict, that that's what I oftentimes would ask myself. If you were my wife, Brittany, how do I not upset him and somehow not have a fight today? Yeah. How do I do that? Yep. Right. And so just taking the steps to be so, so daring to do those things is, is huge. Um, and is a journey all of itself. Um, humility, right? That's, that's one. Mm, we, daring to be humble. What would we say about that? I, mm. I, uh, well, and I think, you know, <laughs> when, when you and I, when we were talking about having be humble as part of this list, one of my concerns is, was that the word humble would, would be misinterpreted. Because it's so often used as a religious term. It's in the religious so culture. Yeah. And I'll tell you what be humble means for me. And this is, this is, this was such a crazy. So, so I thought that playing the victim was being humble for the mm. first time, right? Woe is me. Mark's, you know, he's just a poor little pathetic addict loser, you know, mentally ill, you know, piece of garbage. And I would just sort of, you know, get on the ground and curl up in the fetal position. And you know what you call Steve going to Eeyore mood, Eeyore, Eeyore mode, mm-hmm. Winnie the Pooh, right? The little Eeyore, yep. the little donkey. <laughs> uh, so it's okay. Nothing ever works out anyway. You know, <laughs> and I thought that if I, if I really flogged myself and beat myself to pieces and let other people do the same thing, I was humble. I had to learn through very, very hard experience that that was actually a form of arrogance. And I know that, and people will wait, what? How is being humble? How was that arrogant? I'll tell you why. Every single time life would hit Mark, guess what Mark would do? Mark would respond by doing it his way. My way. All by myself, my solutions, my approaches, right? I know what's needed to make me feel better, which was often addiction, unfortunately. Going stoic, closing myself off, becoming isolated. It was always my way. There was no way that I was going to reach out and open myself to the help of others, to a higher power, to anything outside of me. It was all about me. And, and, and that, w- that was the opposite of humility. 
right? Humility says, I'm powerless over all this. I cannot do this by myself. I've got to have outside help, something bigger, more powerful, higher than me. And I'm going to open myself to that. Yeah, That's humility. Well, and the other thing that comes to mind to me for humility is I, I, you know, growing up in the religious culture that I grew up in, not that, not the doctrine, the doctrine didn't, didn't cause these issues for me, but the culture taught me that being humble meant that you couldn't be proud of, of yourself, uh, that, you, that you couldn't take like healthy pride in yourself and be able to look at yourself as a good person, right? It meant, it meant you kind of had to denigrate yourself to everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. Like if somebody gave you a compliment, like, it wasn't okay just to say, thanks. I really appreciate it. I thought I did a good job too. It always had to be like, oh no, no, this other person did way better than me, you know, or whatever the case may be. Right. And so, and so as an addict, right. But I needed that need to be validated. And so how would, how would Steve show up? Probably like many of you addicts show up on those extremes of either Eeyore mode, shame mode, or leading out with my ego and pride and everyone else is the problem. I'm the man and you all can just get in line because, <laughs> you know, I I know what I'm talking about. And if you don't like it, there's the door. Right. right. Never, ever hitting that next stage, which is the next thing on our list, that that place of healthy, healthy accountability or account ableness, as Mark puts it. Yes, I am able to I am able to account for my choices. I'm able to account for my decisions. I'm able, I'm able to account for, for anything and everything that is a, that is an authentic part of myself, the good, the bad, the ugly, the in-between all of it. Mm-hmm. I, I am account able. Yeah. Here's what happened. Here's what I did. Yeah. It wasn't, that wasn't a very good choice. I'm sorry about that. Let me, let me give an accounting of what happened and what led to that, and why I got involved and and what I'm going to do going forward. Right. Or yeah, that was really successful. I'm I'm going to give an accounting of that as well. How I did good and why that came about. Why I want why I want to do more of that. Right. Just, I know to, to some that sounds so strange, but to an addict, it's probably one of the most relatable things that you can hear. Right. Is this ah. idea of like just even having the permission or the skill set to do that. Right. In and of itself is a journey. It really is a journey. It is. Um, you know, empathy. Right. Daring to be empathetic. What does that look like? You know, today in today's Dare to Connect session, it's a it's a Monday when we recorded this. So, uh, addicts uh, addict sessions for the Dare to Connect program are on Monday mornings, and so uh, we were talking about this this you know as we're going through this month is Betrayal Drama Month in D2C, and so uh, we've been talking about uh, the language of relationship renewal and repair. We we're talking about the first of four stages stages that we've kind of designed around that, and and part of the state stage two that we're going to be covering next week is this empathy component. And, you know, empathy for both the addicts and the partners that we work with, as, as, as hope, hopefully many of you are listening to this as a coupleship, empathy is so hard in this, in this process, especially when you're in that betrayal trauma state, mm. right? Um, it is incredibly difficult for addicts to be able to see past the lens of their own shame and their own ego and to be able to put themselves emotionally into the shoes of their partner and to be able to sit in that because of their, you know, because of many things, but one of those is that pain averseness, right? That so many of us addicts we carry. We don't have the coping skills needed uh, without proper training, without proper help to be able to st- sit in that pain and to, and to be present with it and not to give into shame because of it. But also for partners, right? I work with partners all the time. I know Mark does too, where they, they, I hear so often something along the lines of, I love him so much, but I just, I also like simultaneously, Steve, I hate him. Right. I, I just can't 
the minute I start hearing anything about his pain or how hard this is for him, I just shut off. I can't even be present remotely with it because I am so angry and so hurt by what's been going on. Mm -hmm. So this empathy piece, right? Daring to be empathetic. We're going to talk about the daring component of this when we talk about the assignment at the end of this podcast, but yeah, such a huge piece. Yeah. And, and we, and we've been working with the D our D to C uh, guys in recovery. One of the things that we've introduced to them is a very advanced form of empathy, daring to allow myself to see me through her eyes, mm. to see me through her eyes, not just stepping into her shoes, but stepping into her shoes and then looking through her back at myself. What does she see? What would it be like to be her looking back at me and having a relationship with me? Right. So this, this daring to go into those places of, 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 of deep empathy. Right. And, and, and also what came up and dare to connect today with our, our, our addicts in recovery was this concept of, of being response able. The world says responsible. I remember when I used to hear that, Mark, be more responsible. I hated that <laughs> term. It just get me angry and ticked off and shame me to the core until I had a mentor say, Mark, hyphenate the word. You're response able, right? You don't have to be knee jerk, survival brain, fight, flight, freeze, reactive in your relationships. You can actually pause and step back and respond. You, you, can, you, can, you can intentionally respond instead of mindlessly react. So this daring to be response able in the coupleship. Right? I know I have this set of habits and the way I, I keep responding when, when you know things get heated, but you know what? I'm going to start to dare to, to build new skills. I'm going to start to dare to pause, hit the pause button on myself and step back. And I'm going to begin to intentionally respond instead of all this reactive stuff. This is such a powerful concept. We, we, we did that in so much detail today in D2C. Yeah. No, lots of, lots of, lots could be said there. I know we can't cover that for sake of time, but, but so, so powerful and such an important piece. Uh, boundaries, right? Daring to be boundaried. Oh my gosh. Well, How hard is it to hold boundaries? And I know that oftentimes <laughs> we, we talk about this just from the spouse's perspective, but it actually is really difficult on the attic side as well. Right. How to even set them, right? So many of the addicts that we work with, for example, because of their inner shame, struggle to feel like they can even have boundaries. We, uh, one of the things that we do as part of the Dare to Connect program is we run uh, support sessions on Sunday. So the, the, there's the three sessions for addicts, spouses, and couples uh, during the week. And then we have support sessions on Sundays that Mark and I run, as well as our, our female facilitator named Jenna Lee. And, uh, you know, this concept of, of, of uh, boundaries comes up all the time. And last night, it was definitely a focus for the guys. As I was the one that was running the group last night. Um, you know, how do I... I don't feel like I have a leg to stand on, Steve. I, I'm just, I, I am, I am here just groveling my spouse's presence, you know, doing the bowing up and down. We're not worthy kind of mentality. Like how could I ever have expectations in for myself or for my relationship? I should just be grateful. She's here at all. And while I do appreciate that sentiment to a degree, right. One of the hardest things for an addict to learn is to get in touch with his own needs in a healthy way. Because how has he how has he been meeting his needs for so long? Porn, numbing yeah. out, escape, right? All, all all sorts of other ways of coping, and 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 of and and again on the on the spouse side, right? Equally, how do I 
how do I stand up to this guy in a healthy way? How do I create safety for myself and advocate for myself when so often the voice that I hear in my marriage from my partner is, you know, you're not smart or you're not intelligent or you're on the wrong track or why would you need that? I'm not that bad of a guy. You know, what about Tim? Tim down the road. If you know what Tim down the road was doing in his marriage, you'd be grateful for me, right? These are all things that spouses are weathering as they try to come up with, establish and set boundaries. And so what a, what a difficult challenge, right? Yeah, because we always say you, you cannot have a truly connected and intimate relationship unless it is boundaried. No. Love so, is always a boundaried concept. Always. Yeah, always. Love always has boundaries. Yep. And then we and then, you know, kind of a culmination of 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 a lot of this daring in your relationship is trying to get to the place where you can dare to be collaborative. Mm. Can we dare to be collaborative? In other words, we're on the same team. Can I dare to stand shoulder to shoulder with my partner? Even I'll often, often we t- we talk, Steve, and I know you do this, where we talk about the the coupleship. He's over there on that side of the Grand Canyon, and she's over there on that side. There's this big chasm between the two of them, mm-hmm. and they're just mm-hmm. they're they're in opposition. And then finally, when we start to help guys to learn how to lead out and lean in, we talk about getting on the same side with her shoulder to shoulder to face that challenge over there. Even if that challenge over there is his past addiction history that has caused so much pain and betrayal, they can stand shoulder to shoulder to face that while daring to be collaborative. And it's such a powerful concept to get side by side. Even when I have been the cause of pain, she and I can still face that pain together. Yeah. And sometimes that's the connecting point, right? Sometimes that's the only thing, such was the case in my marriage. There was a point where that's the only thing we could connect on was the fact that we were both hurting and both scared this marriage was done. Mm. That was the only thing we felt like we had in common. And it was so scary to connect on that because both of us were feeling it and thinking it, but both of us were also terrified that if I vocalize that and the other person feels it, well, that must mean we're just doomed. Mm. It turns out we weren't doomed. But, but right. Being able to really connect on that level, both being daring to both be confronting and confrontable, right? I looked at, as we were doing this, it turns out confrontable isn't a word according to at least the document (laughs) uh, template that I was typing in, but we're making it a word. Um, Confrontable, right? What, and, and how does that look, right? Not just being able to find your voice and to speak your truth and say, Hey, like Houston, we have a problem. And to be able to do that without getting angry or giving into your shame, but being able to, to speak that vocally and lovingly, but firmly, but also being in a headspace. And this is the far more difficult part for me, <laughs> which is how do I be lovingly confront able, right? How do I, how do I move into a space and what do I need to do today to move into a space where I am creating a soft landing spot is what we sometimes call it or my partner's concerns or my partner's pain or what what's going on for them. Right. Well, and I'm, I'm even going to take that one step farther, which I know for a lot of the addicts listening, this is probably unthinkable. It was for me for decades, actually inviting, imagine inviting your partner to confront you. Yeah. We talked about that today too. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
wanting to hear the feedback, wanting to hear her true feelings, wanting to give her, create the environment where she feels safe enough to speak her truth. And, and, and God forbid, I would even say this being grateful that she would, that she would have the honesty and the transparency and authenticity to tell me what she really thinks. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I mean, a hundred percent, hundred percent agree with that. I mean, there's just so much, so much there to that skill set, right? And then the last one, and we'll keep this brief because I do want to say a few things about this. We want to leave this on a solution-focused topic and not just cover these. Is being into, daring to be intimate, right? When most people hear intimate, and especially outside of the recovery or emotional vulnerability world, what they think of is sex. And sex is definitely a huge, awesome, amazing part of that. As I say all the time, dare to connect. Orgasms can do and always will rock for all time. But what else does that mean? Right. What other components are there to real intimacy? What does it mean to really give actively be giving and receiving love in the moment with another person? Not just in a physical way, but emotionally as well. Yeah, right? because what does all the daring like? we've talked about, every one of the daring points we've covered today in this podcast, aren't they all trying to lead us to this last one, which is I want to be intimate. I want to let you see into me. I want to see into you see into us. I want intimacy. Right? I, want us to, I want us to share and be close and be authentic and vulnerable and open books at a level that is just breathtaking. Right? I, I want intimacy. And that's, that's the ultimate goal. When we talk about dare to connect, what we're really, we're really saying is dare to be intimate. Yeah. There's so many aspects to that, but that is the place we're trying to get to step by step. Right, dare, dare by dare, we're trying to become just a little bit more open, a little bit more close, a little bit more collaborative, a little bit more humble and vulnerable and transparent. All the things that we've talked about, trying yeah. to come to this place of, of intimate connection. So we've given you these topics. Let's let's finish this up because we're already way over time. I know our last couple of podcasts have been gigantonormous. <laughs> so, um. What does it mean? What does this daring piece mean? We've talked about the concepts. We've talked about the areas to do it. And what does it actually look like, right? What are the boots on the ground? What is the, what is the actual doing this in real time? look like? For me, when I think about um, dare to, daring into something, I think about standing on the edge of, of everything that I know and having to let go in some ways of my own logic, my own reason. And to rely on a combination of what I'm being told by the people that I trust, what my higher power is telling me, and what my heart under behind the wall of fear is telling me as well. There's a there's a thing that I there's a kind of a an analogy based group that I do with guys sometimes from the and then I use scenes from the last Indiana Jones. Okay, the last true Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> All those new ones are not real Indiana Jones movies. But in the Last Crusade, there's a scene at the end where uh, Indiana Jones is going to go grab the mythical Holy Grail and he's in the last he's he's faced two other trials and he's facing the last one and he's standing over this chasm that is like probably 40 50 feet wide um, in a position that with no way to cross no overhangs to to move over and all he has to go off of is a clue in his father's journal about how to get across from this and it basically says leap from the lion's head there's a lion statue sitting right there 
And he sits there and you watch him. Harrison Ford does a great job with the acting because he's looking at it and you can see his logic working. And he's like, this is impossible, right? He's, he's an archaeologist by trade. He's educated. He's like, this is impossible. Nobody can jump this. And then he pauses and he hears his dad cry out in pain. Because if you've seen the movie, you know that his dad's been shot and he's several hundred yards back down the hallway past the other two trials. And his dad's friend says, hey, you, you have to hurry. You know, and the only thing that's going to save him is this grail. And so Indiana Jones, you see, again, Harrison Ford just kills this acting job. He just kind of rolls his eyes and he screws up his courage. He sets aside everything that he's ever known and everything that his logical training tells him as a professor. And his whip and gun can't get him out of. He puts his foot out wearing loafers because for some reason he wore loafers in all the shows. And he just goes out and steps into the void. Steps into the void. And then he lands on what is somehow with this well-concealed path that is meant to look like the cliff face. Don't know. Ask me how that's done. But it's such a powerful scene because that's what I think of when I think of daring, right? It's looking past all these things that you know into the eyes of something that just sounds crazy illogical. And for everyone that looks a little bit different, for somebody, for, for an act, that might be like what Mark just described. You know, I am scared shitless right now. The thought of looking at you and saying, can you tell me more about your pain, honey? <laughs> After you've just been telling me and you're in agony right now, can you can you help me to better understand it? That may feel like the void for you today. That's where you lead into the void. And you say, this is scary for me, but I want to understand your pain better. I need to understand it if I'm going to help make our marriage better. For the spouse, right? Maybe that looks like something different, but that to me is what daring means. Yeah. So our assignment to all of you, as you as you listen to all these areas of daring, we would encourage you to choose one or two. What one or two things we've talked about today could you could you really benefit personally and in your relationship if you dared to actually begin to step into the void and to embrace it and to start practice practicing with it and living it. Where are a couple of areas where you could dare and be and see things begin to change? That's what we challenge you to really look at hard and and make a commitment to actually take it on. Take on one or two dares. Right? It's kind of I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> or the double dog dare you. Yeah, I double the, dog dare you. <laughs> that Christmas story movie, the triple dog dare, the legendary triple dog dare. <laughs> yes, that's what we're inviting you to do today. And if you really want to dare, um, come on over to Dare to Connect and and join us uh, to dare to come over and do the work that we're doing over here. Uh, take a two free uh, a free two week trial at uh, no risk and come find out what it's all about. Maybe that's a dare that you need to take advantage of today. Come on in, the water's fine. We'd love to, <laughs> we'd love to have you join us. We 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 love all of you. Thank you so much for being here um, each week and and for. Always your kind words and feedback. It's what fuels us to keep doing this. As always, guys, if you have a topic that you'd like covered much briefly, much more briefly than we were able to do today because we sucked at our boundaries um, on the <laughs> podcast, please do reach out to us um, at uh, pbscpodcast.com. There's a contact form right at the bottom. You can click on and uh, send that over to us. We'd love to love to address that. But but again, as we wrap up our 200th episode, thank you again for your patronage, for your for your trust, and for 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 being here with us each week. We appreciate it. And we're looking forward to another 200 episodes. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, everybody. All right, Take care. Bye-bye.
Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.